there are many things of concern on our hearts that go unspoken. Concerns that affect those that we love and our family and friends and ourselves. And those concerns that um, may affect no one that we know personally, but affect us nonetheless because we are all connected. I am thinking this morning of those, of our borders and the Haitians that need homes and need places. I'm thinking of the increase in uh, people who have no place to stay at night or who are without jobs. I'm thinking of abortion rights, of women's rights to do and make decisions with their bodies. I'm thinking of the Afghani people. Hi. I am thinking of all those who have, whose families are grieving their deaths because of COVID, or those who are suffering from the long-term effects. And I'm thinking of those of us who are doing our best to keep ourselves and each other safe. We hold all of that in our hearts this morning. All of that and more. And as I look at these joys that have been shared, I am so grateful. And I invite you to offer up gratitude. Not, not just for these joys, but for the resilience of your life, of you, of the resilience that is in you that finds ways to make a life in these times. That despite all of what is happening around us and even within us, that we understand that joy is what can keep us grounded and centered and whole. And that no matter what we are going through or how hard it is to carve out those times and those places and spaces for peace, for reflection, for quiet, for connection, and for joy.
Amen. One seed is all it takes to grow a forest. One candle can light a dark room. One voice is enough, speaking words of love. Each moment becomes what we choose. You want a new world, a world that works for everyone. Open your heart and let it be. We can become the new world, Mother Earth beneath the sky. I'm aware of the juxtaposition of the hymn that um, we, or the song that we just heard, the very melodic build a new world, uh, one that works for everyone with our, uh, with our opening hymn of rank by rank. I checked our song list that we keep, the worship committee keeps, and that song has only, rank by rank, has only been used once in a service since 2011. 
rank by rank is often heard at ordination or installation services for ministers. It's not used very often on Sunday mornings in congregations I've found. And that may explain why most of those that you saw gathered at General Assembly weren't singing it. The fact that it easily becomes an earworm doesn't win it any favors in my brain either. And believe me when I say that it will take weeks for it to get out of my head. And I admit to you also that I don't really get the rank by rank, again, we stand part. Who is the writer talking about and what rank? Those who participated in the worship weaving workshop last weekend will remember that I talked about this fabulous resource from uh, Kimberly Davis, the UU minister who as a spiritual practice worked her way through both the gray and the teal hymnals, one hymnal at a time, one day at a time, playing and singing each of the songs, one per day, and then writing about them. According to her research on Rank by Rank, it was found in a handbook for the University of Wales, and Rank of Wales, and Rank refers to the academic levels, but it does have kind of that militaristic sort of feel, doesn't it? full of pomp and circumstance and really good for a processional. Kimberly writes, trust me, you don't want to know Scrine's original lyrics, which were written at the height of British imperialism at the end of the 19th century. I believe her and I did not go looking for them. Carl Seberg actually rewrote this hymn for UUs and softened that empire language a bit. And the last verse with this line of what they dreamed to be ours to do is rather inspiring. Though the rank by rank part is rather eh for me, I've been pondering the remaining words, whence we come and how and whither. Here we are, it says, but we are here because something demands that we be here. The hallowed walls in the case of the song or the case of the school, I suppose, that which calls us here tells us when we come and how we should show up and ask us to ponder to what place are we headed? Where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? What we need is a map or maybe even a GPS. Today, I want to talk about the whence, the how, and the whither of this congregation. Each year, the governing board of this congregation sets goals. Over the last few years, I've watched as each board with slightly, a slightly different configuration of individuals, some overlapping and some new, have wrestled with ideas and then decided on goals for the year. They've also determined that three big goals are about enough. And this year, they were honest with each other about how long these are likely to take, more than a year. Each of the goals for this year is really about creating a plan or a process so that we have some direction about how to accomplish our longer, larger vision. The first goal, and these aren't any particular rank or order, but the first one that I will name is navigate the pandemic. I know we're so hopeful about the vaccines and then the Delta variant reared its head and here we are navigating that and then maybe another variant. 
There are some who say, in a year, this will be over, and others who say that this will be with us for the rest of our lives, or at least five or 10 years. And when we get through this, we will still be living with the climate crisis. What this goal addresses is how we keep this community together. How do we keep it together online? And then how do we come back together in person? Not a day goes by that I'm not thinking about this, reading something about it, and talking with at least one of you about this. I think we all understand that because of the size of our space, we can have about 15 to 20 people in the current sanctuary safely. We still would not be able to sing, and the rest of you would be online. To tell you the truth, I'd rather see you all at once on Zoom than have 20 of you in person and then have to wonder who I'm missing out on Zoom. Now, if it's decided that it's best that we go back to that sanctuary and it's time for us to try it out and together as a small group on Sundays, then I'll give it a try, of course. But it seems to me like it's better to keep meeting on Zoom until it's safe for more people in the sanctuary. And we also have to decide what we do with the children because they aren't vaccinated. However, there is discussion about a once per month or once every other month outside in person. That will be tricky in January and February and most likely in December and probably in March, but maybe October would be possible. And we'll be talking about that soon. RE, religious exploration, has to be considered the youth group has doubled during these online COVID times. They meet every Sunday and we want to keep that. Our whole lives will be starting with parent orientation today and it's starting next month in person for seventh through ninth graders at the church. All of those, all of them are vaccinated. Masks are required. Microphones will be used when folks are speaking so that they can be heard and they will meet the 15 person limit for small groups inside as recommended by the Pandemic Response Task Force. And let's take a moment to give a shout out to those folks who have worked on that. Jenna Korf, Brenda Davis, Joy Maloney, Frank Ship, and Wendy Mora and our there as staff. Thank you all so much for your work, for weeding through the information and data and statistics and wrestling with it and committing to be as inclusive as possible and to keep us as safe as possible. We make plans based on the data and then things change. We don't, we don't know, no one knows what's coming next, but we'll still be working to figure this out, someone. The children's groups, however, have not doubled while online and perhaps we need to figure out a way that they can meet in person. Perhaps they meet outside under a canopy or perhaps after they're vaccinated, they meet inside with HEPA filters and ventilation and masks. And perhaps that happens even before adults come back for services. Which brings us to the question, will we go back to that building for services? Should we? We are now at 100 official members plus about 30 adult friends. I think that this is the first time, by friends I mean, people who come and pledge, that doesn't count the ones who don't. There are visitors and new people who are showing up all the time. But I think that this is the first time that we have reached 100 members in the 30 year history of this congregation. 
And maybe it happened in part because we weren't limited by the building, by the parking, by the RE space, by the restroom. We heard at the June annual meeting from Chuck Harris, who compiled the report, that we've outgrown the building. And I hope that we want to keep outgrowing it. We need more Unitarian Universalists in this world, and they need a place to sit when we come back together. And yes, we can take those new chairs with us should we leave. And this may not be for years, but we have to think about it. Two years ago, I was in a meeting where someone articulated that, well, what we all want was to get the land next to us and build a new sanctuary, social hall, RE space, classrooms and offices, and have enough room for parking and growth. That's what we all want, she said. Now, I had been here for three and a half years at that point, and that was the first time that I had ever heard that particular vision. And I loved the clarity of it and the idea of it and the possibility of it. But the reality of it is that we don't have that land. It's been discussed for many, many years, and it doesn't look like we are going to be able to get it, at least not anytime soon. This congregation first started meeting in a house. Then it met in the Loud Museum in Leesburg. Then in the Percival Community Center. And then in the Loudoun Country Day School. And then the church on Gleadsville Road. Ours the Year's Memorial Store. Honored days and names we reckon goes the second verse of Rank by Rank. Days of comrades gone before, lives that speak and deeds that beckon. From the dreaming of the night to the labors of the day, shines their everlasting light, guiding us upon our way. The second board goal is identify options for a physical location that serves the mission of UUCL. We could rent a space, we could own a space, we could buy land and build. Someone could give us land or a building, it could happen. Some have already promised a large donation to help with this. And if you would like to be one of those, please let me know. And please do not hear in my words that I want to shirk our responsibility to the history of that building or the building itself. I love that sanctuary, but I trust that we can build a beautiful worship space somewhere else. It may be different, and we will have to grieve letting go, but I hope that you do not let that building define who you are as a congregation, as people of faith and hope and love. I hope you feel the spirit of those who came before us, calling us into the next great adventure of this congregation. The congregation is not the building. The church is not the building. We know that for sure now. May we feel the light of the ancestors who came before us, shining the everlasting light that guides us on our way. Identify options for a physical space that fulfills our mission is that second board goal. Our mission. Newly voted on at the June annual meeting, kindling the flame of love and justice to nurture and heal ourselves, each other, and our world. 
This is a world in need of healing. And we are all in need of nurturing. And that is the mission that we are to serve, the mission of love and justice. This encompasses so much of who we are and can be. So the third board goal is develop a process to, to determine what it means to live our mission. We don't have to figure it all out this year. We don't have to write a 50-page strategic plan. We just get to figure out what questions we need to be asking of ourselves and the congregation as a whole to know what we mean by that mission statement and how we will choose to live it and how we will serve that mission. Everything that we do should point toward that, should be towards serving our mission. What does it look like in real time? Can we nurture our spirituality by kindling a flame of love and justice? Yes. What does that look like, though? What does love look like in public? How do worship services help us kindle that flame of love and justice and nurture and heal? We've already had some good conversations, but now it's time to go deeper, to get clearer, maybe to call a minister rather than just having one on contract, if that helps to serve the mission. What does all that look like? What is it we really want? How do we live and serve our mission? The last line of rank by rank is what they dreamed be ours to do. Hope their hopes and seal them true. It's beautiful, isn't it? So inspiring. I don't know if it's all of the truth, though. At least, I don't think it's just about what they dreamed that's ours to do. We get to have our own hopes, our own dreams. We may wish that we had a GPS, but the best we get is a map. And maybe not even a map, really, at this point. Just the landscape of COVID and space needs and a new mission statement with some vague instruction about making our own map. We get to make our own map to bring all of these goals together, to look at the topography and the roads and the houses and locate ourselves on it, bound together in a community of care and compassion. And I just want you to know that I am here for that. And I hope you are too. The updated version of whence we come and how and whither may be, woe ya ya. We are going. Heaven knows where we are going, but we know within, and we'll get there. Heaven knows how we will get there, but we know we will.